That he covers the Jazz for the Salt Lake Tribune. He's Eric Walden with us here on the Big Show. What's up, Eric? Very little. What's going on with you, gentlemen, today? Oh man, just getting ready to take in some basketball tonight. Uh, Summer League, of course, wraps up tonight. Well, let's start there, Eric. Uh, give us your impressions from Summer League. What are you taking away from the couple games we've seen so far? Uh, well, I guess I would say I will be surprised if too many guys from the Jazz Blue team make it to the Vegas Summer League team. Um, as for the white team, I think we've seen you know some interesting things. I think we've seen that, uh, man, Trent Forrest looks really good against NBA Summer League competition, right? Um, I guess it, it remains to be seen how he'll look against uh, NBA competition going forward. I expect he'll probably be on a two-way contract for the Jazz again this coming season. Uh, we've also seen some good things out of Yudoka Azubuki. So, um, you know, I know that that was not necessarily a popular pick, and there were a lot of reasons why, you know, people had, you know, legitimate reasons to, to kind of question uh, his selection at number 27 overall a year ago. But, um, you know, we've, we've seen a few things out of, out of Yudoka, and I guess I would say, you know, while, while we shouldn't necessarily expect too much from him this coming season, just given that, you know, Rudy Gobert is back and, and we can assume that uh, the Hassan Whiteside deal will be going through today and, and he'll be the primary backup. I think maybe it's a little too early to write off Doke as, as, you know, a wasted pick going forward, even if you feel like, you know, that, that pick would have been better spent on um, a wing who could have helped more immediately than Doke can. So I guess let me ask sort of the same question, uh, Eric. Do you think that there's anybody in that group who could really become not just helpful, but a, 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 something more than that? Uh, that's a good question. You know, it, it's been interesting watching um, this, this group of guys, right, with the Jazz White team featuring five guys who have experience of, of playing on the actual NBA team, you know, between uh, Doke and Trent Forrest and Elijah Hughes and, and Jarrell Brantley and Jawan Morgan. Um, we've seen some moments out of them. We've, you know, game one, uh, or, or night one, rather, Jarrell really kind of struggled. Seemed like he was really kind of a bit too sped up, you know, a little too eager to, to show himself and, and was just kind of off kilter. Um, and then in game two, we saw him slow down a little bit and we saw some good moments from him. You know, uh, um, it'll be interesting to see if they bring Jarrell back on a two-way contract for a third straight season or if, or if another team is willing to give him more of a shot. Um I like Jarrell Brantley personally. I, I like him as a person. I have my doubts as to how much his game translates to the NBA, you know, which is which is sad to say because this is a guy who for the last two years we've been saying, man, this guy has got some, some tools in his toolbox, and if he can figure out how to do a few other things, you know, he's, he's a potential player down the line. And just seeing him now, I, I really am starting to wonder if, uh, those skills are going to translate just because it feels like so much of his skill set is, is predicated on playing, you know, kind of a bigger style of basketball, and he, he's simply too small to go against NBA-level competition and, and to be successful at those things. Um, Jawan Morgan, 
you know, again, a guy who was great against G League competition, a guy who got by with Smart and Guile and, and, and you know, you know uh, being in the right place at the right time. And, again, we're seeing kind of physical limitations, uh, you know, kind of hinder what he's capable of against the NBA when ultimately guys who are, you know, bigger, faster, stronger, can jump higher are, are going to be able to negate a lot of what he does. So um, it'll be interesting to see what Elijah Hughes can do. I know he's got some supporters within the organization, uh, just given his, his smooth scoring ability. Um, really what he's trying to show during Summer League is that he's an improved defender. You know, he acknowledged that uh, being a former Syracuse guy where where Jim Bayheim and Syracuse are, are really kind of notorious for playing a zone scheme, and there's always questions about how those guys can do in the NBA. He's acknowledged that, and he, he said over and over and over again that his whole point of being in the summer league is to show that he is a capable NBA-level defender. So I think if we see that out of him, um, he's maybe the guy who I would put the most stock in going forward. And, um, you know, beyond that, I'm interested to see uh, what Jared Butler does in, in Las Vegas over the next coming days. Eric Walden of the Trib with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Eric, uh, Gordon asked me this question earlier in the show, and since I don't mind stealing his material, I'll go ahead and ask you, uh, what is the – not even a laugh out of that, Gordon? Come no, I, mean, no, I was just Come thinking that, that I steal Eric's material all the time. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, you journalists in your plagiarism, you got no integrity. <laughs> um, who, is, who will have the most impact on the roster out of the new uh, acquisitions? Who was, so taking Mike Conley out of it, obviously, in his re-signing, who uh, out of the new players will have the most impact on the roster? I think you got to say Rudy Gay just because he's got a, you know, they very much targeted him. They very much saw a specific role for him, one that he can fill right away. You know, down the road, I think we could argue maybe Jared Butler will be able to, you know, uh, be an effective backup point guard down the line. But, you know, for this coming season, I envision that he'll basically just be at a maximum taking over the minutes that, that Trent Forrest played a year ago, you know, kind of in a more emergency-type situation when there's foul trouble or, or injuries or things of, things of that nature. But uh, Rudy Gay, you know, he's played 15 years in the league. Um, we made it a point uh, to talk to Jeff McDonald of the San Antonio Express News who's in town because the Spurs, uh, of course, have a team participating in the, uh, in the Salt Lake Summer League just to kind of get his uh, take on, on, on the Rudy Gay experience. And, you know, he mentioned Rudy's a solid mid-range guy. He's got a little bit of post-up game. He's a very much improved three-point shooter these last few years over what he had been previously. Um, kind of interestingly, he, he was not totally sold on Rudy's uh, defensive prowess, on, on him being necessarily an answer to the Jazz small ball lineup situation that they hoped you would be but it'll be interesting to see what what this particular coaching staff uh gets out of him you know just because we can expect that at a minimum he'll be he'll be taking over the minimum the minutes that george niang played a year ago and beyond that you know i i do expect that when the jazz come up against these these small ball five out lineups that feature you know not a true center but you know someone who's maybe 6'7 to 6'9, who's a little quicker, more mobile, that 
we will see some some times where Rudy Gay is uh, taking on that role and and being able to help the Jazz be a little more mobile, be a little more switchable defensively. So, Eric, there have been a lot of rumors out there, but uh, give me a definitive answer. Will the Jazz make another move after after this busy week? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, it really comes down to if you believe that they think they need to move Joe Ingles or not. Um, someone had asked me uh, earlier in the week what I thought the chances of Joe Ingles going, and, and at the time... I put it at 50-50 just because there seemed to be a whole lot of smoke behind a potential deal. Um, I think at this point, I'm, I'm, I would put the odds of him moving a lot lower. I'd, I'd put it at, you know, 25% chance that, that Joe Ingles is not playing for the Jazz by the start of the season. But it feels like at this point, uh, you know, the free agent moves are done. They've got basically, you know, if, if they wind up keeping Mie Oni, if they wind up, you know, um, bringing back some of the familiar faces, they'll, they'll have one spot, one roster spot open. And I could expect, um, I wouldn't be shocked if they wind up keeping that open for a bit just to see, you know, if, if someone becomes available down the line who they might want to add. But um, probably at this point, I, I think that the major moves are done. But, you know, I will say it won't shock me if they wind up finding some kind of deal for Joe Ingles. Let me follow that up with uh, uh, a question. It's this. If Joe doesn't get moved, in your experience, Eric, do you think that affects a player's attitude about his the team he plays for when he knows he's been sort of bandied around that way? I think generally that is the case. I, I think in this case it would be a little bit different in that I don't think Joe wants to go anywhere until um, his NBA career is over, at which point, you know, he's told us that he fully intends to uh, take his family back to Australia full time. But it seems like uh, Joe and Renee and the kids really enjoy being in Utah. And so, honestly, I would be I would be worried about you know <laughs> the, the opposite that, um, you know, I, I think Joe understands at this point it's a business. And, and the team is going to do whatever it thinks is the right move um, to try and, and, and get the team closer to championship contention. And, you know, I'm not going to go so far as to say that, that Joe won't have an ego about that. You know, with anyone who's talked to Joe knows he, knows he has an ego, right? And, and you don't get to be as good of a professional basketball player as Joe Ingles is without an ego. So... You know, I'm not going to go as far as to say he wouldn't be hurt by trade rumors, but I think that, um, you know, if there are trade rumors, he understands it. And so long as he doesn't get traded, I think he's happy. So um, I think he would be able to compartmentalize that and, you know, do what they're going to ask him to. The, the question is going to be, you know, what does his role look like this year? Because it feels like maybe – you know, he, he put up career numbers last year, but it, again, felt like once we got to the playoffs, he'd been maybe a little overtaxed. And so I'm curious to see if maybe they find a way, and maybe it's Jared Butler, maybe it's, you know, one of the other guys stepping up, if they find a way to kind of lessen his minutes during the regular season so that he can have a little more of an impact once we get to the playoffs again. 
Eric, uh, when you look at the, the movement uh, so far in the NBA and in the offseason, I think you can make the argument that several or at least a couple of Eastern Conference teams really made themselves better. I don't think you can say the same thing about the Western Conference. Uh, you know, I, I do think the Jazz have made themselves better uh, around the periphery, but, you know, depending on how you feel about the Lakers' uh, moves, I guess, have there, have there really been any teams in the Western Conference, the playoff teams, that is, that have made themselves better this offseason? Yeah, you, I, I think you make a good point there, Jake. Whereas, you know, a lot of the huge moves that we've seen in free agency have been Eastern Conference teams really kind of taking big swings on, on kind of trying to improve themselves. Whereas with the Western Conference teams, it's been a lot of kind of, you know, more subtle improving around the margin type of, of moves. So um, with, with obviously the exception being, as you said, the Lakers and man, I, I honestly have no idea how that's going to go. You know, I, I look at that Lakers team and I'm like, okay, I don't know that Russell Westbrook is necessarily a great fit uh, stylistically with with LeBron. Um, the benefit I could see that move having is that Russ is an incredible regular season player and this enables the Lakers to, you know, again, lessen LeBron's load in the regular season. Uh, They'll do a lot of kind of staggering those two, I would expect. So there will be stretches where LeBron is running the show and stretches where Russell Westbrook is running the show. And and the idea there would be, you know, hopefully saving LeBron James energy for the playoffs. But once you get to the playoffs and, you know, I, I honestly just don't know if that Lakers team has enough shooting. Uh, I know they've brought in a few guys who have decent percentages in Malik Monk and Wayne Ellington. Even, I guess, Carmelo Anthony shot, you know, up around 40% last year. But I just don't know if, if I trust those Lakers to, you know, be versatile enough. And who knows? Maybe they don't have to. You know, the Lakers have not had great three-point shooting. Uh, they didn't have it the year they won the title. They didn't have it again last year. Uh, when you could argue maybe they would have gone further had LeBron or AD stayed healthy. They just kind of stick with what they do and, and trust that they're good enough at it to beat you. So we'll see. But, yeah, you know, Phoenix kind of minor moves, bringing back some of the same guys. Uh, you know, Portland will look a little different. Dallas has brought in, you know, I think their big move was, was re-signing uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. and then adding Reggie Bullock. So there's another shooter. Again, yeah, just, just kind of more minor moves in the Western Conference. Nothing quite as uh, seismic as what we've seen in, say, Miami out east. So, Eric, uh, two, two things for you. The first one is, uh, and you've kind of addressed this a little bit, but are the Jazz better now than they were in January, personnel-wise? And the second question is, will Rudy Gobert and his French teammates beat Team USA tonight? That is that that latter one is an excellent question. I mean, that that France team is the only uh, remaining undefeated basketball team in the Olympic tournament. Uh, they already own a win over Team USA, so um, you would think that they've got as good a shot as anyone. Uh, then again, I felt like Australia had a really good shot at beating Team USA, and that lasted for about a quarter and a half. <laughs> and 
Kevin Durant and Drew Holiday decided enough with that nonsense and, and put an end to that. So I do think France has a good has a good chance, but you know you still got to consider the Americans the favorites just for the fact that you know no one can compete with their overall skill level, and it seems like they've ironed out a lot of the issues that were kind of uh, plaguing them early on in the tournament. As for whether or not the Jazz are better, I I think that. You know, I don't know that the overall talent level, that there's a big difference in it. I think what we need to see is did they kind of shift into the spots that they needed to address, you know? Um, are they a little more capable of playing the small ball lineups now with, with Rudy Gay in the fold, with Eric Pascal uh, coming into the fold? Are they, you know, a little more equipped to handle injuries in the backcourt, you know, to handle Mike Conley missing a bunch of games with uh, Jared Butler there, who's, who's a far better three-point shooter than Trent Forrest was. So I think these are the things that we need to see. We need to, we need to see how Quinn Snyder kind of works these guys into the system. And if these guys do what uh, Justin Zanuck brought them in to do, if they prove themselves capable of that, then yeah, I think the Jazz are better. Again, not because they're necessarily more talented, but because they're a little more versatile because they've filled some of those voids that the Clippers exploited last year. Eric, thank you very much for coming hey, I got on. One more. Oh, excuse me, Eric. Who's of all the Jazz beat writers? Who is the uh, the most the most painful person to be have to associate with? Oh man! Did you did you have someone specific in mind that you want me to throw under <laughs> well, the bus? It, well, we know the answer to the question if it was coworkers at the trip, <laughs> but you went with beat writers. So, what are you aiming at, Gordon? I don't know. I'm just kidding around. I, I think probably all you all you folks get along really well, don't you? Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't need to. I I don't need to throw anyone under the bus. I don't need to say that there's anyone who's who I have trouble getting along with. We'll just go ahead and say that I am everyone's favorite because I'm <laughs> such a great and humble human being. There you go. Good answer. Perfect. Uh, Eric, uh, thanks for coming on with us as always, buddy. We really appreciate it. And uh, happy Appetite for Destruction Day. Thank you so much for remembering, Jake. I knew I could count on you. You bet, buddy. Thanks for coming on. All right. Take care, guys.